0: okay with me because we absolutely trust you so we're coming in openness and coming in forthrightness saying hey here's our intent here's our design here's our desire with no agenda no hook on the end we're not asking you for anything except oh spirit of god spirit of god let your word do its work in our life today in the name of jesus i pray amen You'll notice the first word in the passage is the word "now," and it is the Greek word de, which I guess is pronounced the or the or the or whatever. Uh, I've heard so many pronunciations for it; it's just anyhow. Uh, that word is very, very significant in its impact, as it is found in the position of this of this particular beginning of this particular paragraph. It is the idea of literally addition or bringing on or adding an idea. In other words, he stated a phenomenal concept of what's been going on. And now he says, I want to give you additional thought and add to that. And that's what he's going to do in the paragraph. Uh, What is he adding on to? Well, you know, the miracle of the lame beggar has taken place. Uh, Peter and John have grabbed him by the hand, yanked him to his feet in the name of Jesus. And the guy is is in a miraculous state of miracle. He is walking, leaping, praising God. A crowd is drawn. It literally has moved all of Jerusalem because he's over 40 years of age and everybody knows him and is recognizing now the miracle itself. And in that instant, then, crowd begins to gather. Peter begins to preach. The Sanhedrin is upset. They drag them into court, and they absolutely threaten them. And the beginning of the persecution of the early church takes place in, uh, in, in this setting. So in the persecution of the early church, the persecution is all about Jesus. There isn't any question at all that what the Sanhedrin is upset about is Jesus. They are sick to death of Jesus. We don't want to hear anything about Jesus. In fact, the threat and the persecution is don't ever talk about Jesus ever again. You can do your miracles. Don't talk about Jesus. You can have your suppers. Don't talk about Jesus. You can argue about the resurrection. Don't talk about Jesus. You can sing your songs. Don't talk about Jesus. You can do anything you want to baptize. Don't talk about Jesus. Do not talk about Jesus. That was the threat. Jesus was the threat. Not Jesus the idea, not Jesus the doctrine, the living functioning person of Jesus that they had just crucified. That's the Jesus we're talking about. Eliminate him and all is well. Do anything else? Hey, feed the poor, help, hey, have have meals at night, hey, help people, don't care, don't talk about Jesus. That's the issue. Peter and John have been released. They've come back to the early church and they have let everybody in on the threat. So everybody knows the threat of death is on their head if they talk about Jesus. The early church breaks into a praise session according to verse 24. And the praise session begins with the words, Lord, you are God, which we discovered is not the normal word for Lord that's used throughout the New Testament. It's the idea of tyrant. It's despot. And that's where we get our word despot. So this is a tyrant thing. Lord, you are a tyrant. And whatever you want is going to go down. You can count on it. In fact, he goes on to say, went on to say in their prayer session, you gathered together all the kingdoms of the world, all the rulers of the world, all the Jews, all the Gentiles, and you brought them to the place where they did exactly what you wanted done, which was to crucify Christ. You set them on a platform, turned them loose, and they fell right into your plan. The crucifixion of Jesus for redemption. Now, persecution has come to us. We see it as an extension of that. You were in charge then. You're in charge now. There is no problem. We're trusting you, and we're not asking for a way out of this. We're not asking, oh, protect us. We're not, oh, don't let us get ingrown toenails. We're not asking for any of that. What we're asking for is everything you've been doing in our life, continue to do it, and let it flow, and we are going to focus on Jesus, and we are going to mouth off about him in a continual way. So let be what will be, because you are the tyrant under which all thing is under control. And when they opened up to that, verse 31 says, When they had prayed, the place where they assembled together was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. Now, let me give you an additional thought. An early church, It's filled with openness. There's two elements in their whole approach to this. Persecution has come. There's two elements. We're wide open. What you did to Jesus, do it to us. You were in charge then. You're in charge now. We're not backing out. We're not letting up. We're totally open. And we are totally responding to what you want. And in that openness an indwelling, a merger took place. Not that it hadn't taken place in Pentecost, but it got tighter. Do you believe in your relationship with Jesus, this thing gets tighter? See, folks, I really thought I'd mellow out. I really did. I really did. I thought I'd reach an age and it would just, and I've handled the gospel for so long and been in fellowship with Jesus for so long. I thought, hey, you know, this will go, oh, yeah, And I'd be able to yawn my way through the services. But hey, I'm hyper. I'm more hyper than I've ever been. This is bigger than what I ever thought. This is bigger than what I ever dreamed. I'm telling you. So it got tighter. The merger got tighter in their lives. It got tighter. Now, he says, based upon the fact of their openness... And the tightness of their relationship, the infilling of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Oh, I want to present to you an additional idea of what was going on in the dynamics of their lives. And he says, the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and of one mind. Now the verb is the word were which is a phenomenal verb because it's a state of being. It's a translation that comes from the basic Greek word, me, which is back in the day of Moses, the burning bush. What's your name, God? I am that I am, which is the word me. So it's not I do what I do. Nothing is being discussed about activities here. Nothing is being discussed about programs. Nothing is being discussed about anything except the actual state Of their existence. So Luke says I want to add this thought on what's going on. I want to tell you the actual state of existence. That was going on within this group of people. And he uses the word were. It is in the imperfect tense which has the idea of it was present. Happened then and has continual action into the moment now. So it's a continuing flowing. This is not, oh, yeah, we had a revival and we had this, but hey, it slipped. We're not, we're not into that. This is our continual, every moment by moment state of existence in which we exist. What is that state of existence? Well, you'll note in the verse he says, they were of one heart and one soul. Now, that's a predicate nominative, which means a predicate noun, which means that it is equal to the subject. So, when you have a verb of being, come on, learn this in the sixth grade. When you have a verb of being, you strike out the verb of being and put an equal sign above it, and you go back and pick up the main verb, the main subject. What is the main subject? Well, he says the main subject is a multitude of those who believed. So it's a believing multitude, which obviously he's referring to the early church and the body. Well, was everybody who was a part of the church involved in this? Well, obviously not, because there was an Ananias and Sapphira who also came to church who weren't involved in this. So what is it, everybody who came through the doors of the early church that was involved in this. But in the early church, the core group of the early church, what numbered in the thousands, the core group of the early church literally were believing. They were believing. And in their belief, they were in a state of being of one heart and one mind. So the one heart and one soul, the one heart and one soul is equal to the believing multitude. Which means you could flip it. So the heart and the soul, which is the state in which they existed, was also the believing multitude. The believing multitude was the one heart and the one soul. And whatever's going on in the believing multitude is also going on in the one heart and the one soul. Because they are the same. That's what he's stating here. They are the same. Well, what is it that they are believing? Well, obviously, in the context of the passage, what they're believing is Jesus. Not the idea of Jesus. Not the church of Jesus. Not the doctrine of Jesus. Not the, well, sure, we all believe in Jesus. Not that kind of Jesus. The Jesus, you realize these boys had just been involved... Not many days, not many months f- from this time, in the crucifixion of that Jesus. Do you realize that the core issue of sin that they've been approached with in their life is that Peter and John, in every one of the sermons that confronted this crowd, they stood up, Peter and John, looked that crowd right in the eye, and said, Hey, you crucified Jesus. And they had. They had physically drug him out, physically been there, physically yelled and screamed, were physically a part of the crowd. They had physically crucified Jesus. So the whole issue of this church, this crowd, this multitude of believers is Jesus And the core issue of sin that they now had victory over in their lives was not adultery, was not pornography, was not drugs, was not alcohol, was not lying, was not, was not, was not. It was all centered on you crucified Christ. Let me play the role of Peter and John this morning. You, I'm talking to you. Crucified Jesus. And the central issue of your life is you crucified him and you need to repent of that. Well oh, manly I was, you crucified him. Well, yeah, I've told some lies. You crucified him. The issue is not the lying. You crucified him. Well, yeah, I have popped some pills. You crucified him. You hated, you crucified him. And the central issue of the whole deal is you crucified Christ. In fact, the whole issue of repentance was that now that I I have crucified him. I admit that I'm not going to crucify him anymore. I am repenting of that. Which all revolves, folks, do you get this? All revolves around a person, not a belief system. Right. It all revolves around this person. I actually took Jesus out and nailed him to a tree. Now I'm taking the nails out and I want him down. And I'm embracing him as the resurrected Lord in my life. The whole issue of baptism. And I know there's a whole group that says, oh, we'd only want to baptize in Jesus' name. Well, have, help yourself. I don't care. Jesus says, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So let's argue. Well, why? See, the issue in the passage, Peter and John said, be baptized in the name of Jesus. I got that. Why? Because that's the issue. You crucified Jesus. You literally went out and crucified Jesus. Jesus. Now I'm calling you to be baptized in the name of Jesus, which says, oh, I'm sorry, and I'm embracing the Jesus I crucified. So do you see the issue of sin, the issue of baptism is all about Jesus. Do you see the issue of miracles in the whole context of the passage is about what? About Jesus, man. Peter and John come up and don't say, hey, I'll pray for you. They don't say, well, we'll go before the church and cry out to God the Father. They don't say that. What do they do? They grab him by the hand and say, listen, this is all about Jesus. And if you get on your feet, boy, it'll be because of the mighty, absolute power and person of of Jesus himself. And grabbed him by the hand and yanked him to his feet. And everybody understood the power by which they did this was the person of Jesus. I should settle down, shouldn't I? Sorry. See, the whole thing is about Jesus. Every miracle was about Jesus. It wasn't about the miracle. It was about Jesus. Nobody cares about the lame beggar being made well. Hey, help yourself. We don't care. What we care about is the Jesus guy. We're sick of the Jesus man. We're sick of the Jesus name. It's all about Jesus. Not Jesus the idea. Not Jesus the concept. Not Jesus the, the historical Jesus of the Old Testament, of, of the New Testament. Not that Jesus. It, it is that Jesus, but it's more than that Jesus. It's the Jesus who's alive in this hour, who's in my face and wants my life. So what did this early, this multitude of believers, what did they believe in? Jesus! And what, what state did that believing in Jesus cause or what was that state of believing in Jesus? One heart and one soul! And that the unity they knew in the early church all revolved around this unity this, this, That's Jesus. They were all wrapped up in Jesus. They consistently, constantly talked about Jesus. They didn't have anything going on but Jesus. Jesus was their one deal. Wow. Wow. Now, let me break this down for you as we get into the passage. Number one, organism. See, the multitude of believers became a living organism. Go to the dictionary. Organism means a whole with independent parts. And the dictionary goes on to say, likened to a living being. And you know where they got that? Apostle Paul. He was always talking about that stuff, wasn't he? That we're the body of Christ. Well, sure, we're the body of the Christ. Good night. You're in the body. Don't you look strange. See, you got brown eyes. I got blue eyes. Come on. My nose is big. Yours is small. Come on. How could we be in the same body? Because we are many parts, but we have come together in a overwhelming belief. And what is the belief? Jesus. Which is not really a belief, but an intimate relationship with the person. And because of the intimate relationship with the person and the interactive of his indwelling in my life and he in your life, something has taken place that has brought us into one heart and one soul. And Paul uses this this, this whole deal of the of the of the body concept. Listen to this. He says, and he put all things under his feet. Jesus put all things under his feet and gave to him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Oh, listen to this. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that body being many are one body. So also is the church. For by one spirit we are baptized into one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. So, hey, we're many. I got that. But somehow something has taken place that has brought us into oneness of belief and oneness of heart and soul until... The belief in the one heart and one soul is the same identical state. And it's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's interesting that in this paragraph, Luke uses the word church for the very first time. Chapter 5, verse 11. It's the last verse. He uses the word church. And the church you know as the word, is the Greek word, ecclesia. It's the "ek, which is out of Elysia, which is the idea of uh, "called out" or "called together. So the church is the called out together one. Well, what are we called out about? What do we call out about? <laughs> Jesus, What are we called together about? Jesus, What's our commonality? Jesus? What's going on in you? Jesus. Well, what's going on in you? Jesus. Well, what makes us alive? Jesus. Jesus. Not the idea of Jesus. Not 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 the theology of Jesus. Not, well, yeah, I believe there was a Jesus. Not that. I'm talking the living, functioning. Wow. I've embraced the living person of Jesus. He's in my life. He's filling me. Indwelling me. I know Jesus. And when we talk about the resurrection of Jesus, he shows up. He is resurrected. Whoa! Because he's here. And the living Jesus begins to function within the life. And that's the church. Jesus is the issue. A.W. Tozer talks about, it's a beautiful picture, a hundred pianos. Wow. Do you see them? They're all over the sanctuary. A hundred pianos. And a guy comes in with one tuning fork. The tuning fork of Jesus. Goes over and tunes one piano. Now that one piano is in tune with Jesus. The tuning fork. Then he goes to the second piano. Tunes it to the tuning fork. Who is Jesus? Oh, now we got two pianos tuned to Jesus. We got three now. We got four now. We got five now. They are not tuned to each other. They are tuned to one tuning fork. The reason the pianos all are tuned to the same is Jesus. You don't tune the first piano. This is why I have a hard time with a mentoring concept. I don't want to mentor you. I want to shove you to Jesus. He's the tuning fork. He's the tuning fork. Hey, if if you have to be like me to be a Christian, then get your belt on the side, your belt buckle on the side. <laughs> get with a program. See, that's not Christianity. And we've developed that. Well, I'm of Apollos. Well, I'm of Peter. Well, I'm of a... Well, who are you? Jesus is the tuning fork, folks. Come on, let's Jesus tunes the piano. And we're all in tune with him, which brings us what? Into such harmony and overwhelming of one heart and one soul. Now, what's the heart thing? Cardia. Which, again, in the New Testament is never used for the blood pumper. The cardia idea is the seat and center of your life. If God is going to indwell you, where is he going to indwell you? At the core of your existence, which is the heart, which is titled the heart, however you figure that out. So what are they saying? Of one heart, in other words, indwelt within the multitude of believers is a Jesus, a living, functioning, live Jesus who is literally dwelling in the inner heart of each individual. And they are of one soul. What's the soul idea? Well, it's the word psychic, which is the idea of the immaterial part Of a person. In other words it's what causes you to live. So hey at my heart core of my existence. Is this living functioning person of Jesus. And that Jesus has become the living function life of my being. And I live because of him. And each individual on the believing had that. The multitude of believers. They all had that going on in their life. And that brought them into oneness. Of heart and one soul. If you focus on anything else, you will divide. Get it? If you focus on anything else, regardless of how good it is, you will divide. You will divide. Let's focus on unity. Let's get together. We'll divide. Well, how are we going to be unified? What's going to make us one? How are we going to come together? How are we going to agree? The people I know in this building today are so pig-headed that they can't agree on anything. So how are we ever going to come together? we won't and I'll lead the parade I'm as pig-headed as they come so unless everybody agrees with me we'll never be in unity unless the unity isn't found in focusing on unity the found unity is founded on focusing on him the tuning fork (laughs) do you see it so it's in focusing on him that we come together it's focused on him that one heart and one soul come together If you focus on the gifts of the Spirit, we will divide, we will argue, we will fight. If you focus on the resurrection concept, see, they didn't care. Pharisees and Sadducees argued the the resurrection. They didn't care about the resurrection. That wasn't what bugged them. It was the resurrection in Jesus that got them. It was Jesus that bothered them. It was Jesus that upset them. It's it's always Jesus, folks. That's where the unity comes. And if we, let's focus on winning this community. Well, how are we going to do it? We'll divide. See, I think we ought to do it by preaching. I think all singing ought to be gone and we just preach continually. Well, now, I think gospel concerts is the way. Okay. See, we're going to divide, folks. Because there will be no unity over methodology will divide us every single time. How are we going to come together? There's one state. We are a multitude of believers. What do we believe in? Jesus And Jesus gives us one heart and one soul because he has indwelled us in our inner core being and he is the very very essence of my living experience and that somehow brings me together in spite of your ugliness. So it's Jesus is the oneness. Jesus is the unity. Jesus is the focus of all. Jesus, belief, one heart and one soul and it's all about Jesus. And we become an organism number two number one organism number two orchestration interesting what he does in the passage this is so phenomenal what he does in the passage he said oh let me tell you about a miracle and it was a great miracle it was a miracle of the lame beggar he's been there for over 40 years of age they make a big point of that and that's what moved all Jerusalem I mean, all Jerusalem is shaking over this thing. They're all yakking their mouth about it. So much so that the Sanhedrin couldn't touch the, the Peter and John. They did not dare. Because if they touched him, well, hey, the crowds would go wild because this miracle, this miracle. See, everybody was wrapped up in the miracle. Everybody was talking about the miracle, the lame beggar. It is a... The, you know, the miracle of the lame beggar is a wow! Can you believe that? So everybody's just walking around saying, wow. Over the miracle of the lame beggar. Luke says. It was. It was a great miracle. Lame beggar walking. Whoa. Great. Made totally well from the inside out. Psychologically and physically. Whoa. It was great. But let me give you an equal miracle. A miracle that. Is equal to that or even tops it. You're kidding me. Now, and he says, look at verse 32. Now, the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own. (laughs) You're going to tell me That five to ten thousand people got together and were so unified that they didn't consider what they owned their own. Whoa! That's a miracle! (laughs) amen brother amen That's that's a miracle if you think the lame beggar is a miracle he said let me give you this miracle and this miracle came out of the fullness of the spirit this miracle came out of oh Jesus has literally come to indwell the seat, the heart of my being. And at the heart of my being, he's literally producing my life. And out of that, there is such a movement going on in unity among us that, hey, what I have is yours. We'll get into this in another time. But just to suggest it at this moment, there was nothing legislated about that in other words this is not the early church had a rule everybody in the early church had to no they didn't no they didn't no they didn't that becomes very evident see it wasn't if you were going to be part of the early church you had to turn loose of your materialism and let the church dictate your materialism you had to send all, sell all your property and bring it in There was no rule for that. Nobody said that. Nobody even suggested that. Nobody ever stood up and ever preached that. Peter and John, you never have any kind of message. Hey, if you're really going to be a Christian, sell your property and give it to me. See, you don't know. No, 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 no. That is nowhere found in the passage. In fact, when you get into the Ananias and Sapphira thing, Peter looks at him and said, Hey... Why did you lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your control? Did anybody dictate to you what you were going to do? No! Nobody cares! Do what you want to with your stuff. There is no rule. So this is not about everybody who's going to come here. And if we're going to be in unity, we're all going to wear red ties. You see, there's no... Folks, if I tell you my real, real gut feeling, I hate rules. I hate legalism as much as I hate sin because I think it is sin. I run into this all the time in the jail. The guy said, oh, I'd like to come to the cross Style Center. I said, Good. Uh, I say, hey, we're really Jesus centered. We're really locked in on Jesus. And if you don't want life changing, don't want to seek Jesus, don't don't come. You'll be miserable. You just don't want to come, man. Well, yeah, I want to come. What's the rules? Well, what am I supposed to tell him? What's the rules? Because in my heart, there aren't any. We are not babysitters. This is not, you've got to get up at 5 o'clock. We're going to have a half hour to get ready. Then we're going to have breakfast. Then we're going to have half hour devotions. Then you're going to go to work. When you get back to work, we're going to... Hey, you're a growing man. You're a growing woman. We're not going to babysit you. Well, what are you after? We're after, all oh, if you could just go after Jesus, man. If you could just, if you could just get him at the core of your life. If your heart could just be filled with him. And if he could become the life through which, you know what that would produce within you? The need for new rules. There would be no need for rules. We wouldn't have to tell you what to do. This would have to be, this is the standard of the church. This would be a passion within you, which is what happened in the early church. Suddenly, because they were a multitude of believers with one heart and one soul, they just began to do stuff. Who told them? Nobody. And the organism that they had become in the unity of one heart and one soul began to move into their lives until they began to see needs and they began to meet those needs. And everybody began to participate who wanted to from the inner core of their heart. And it begin to spill out of their being. So we have continually behind this pulpit said to you, "Hey, you don't want to give? Keep your money. We don't care. Because it's not an issue with us. We don't want anybody teaching who doesn't want to, doesn't want to teach. We don't want anybody preaching who doesn't want to preach." you don't want to come to Sunday school, don't come to Sunday school. Stay home. If you don't want to win anybody to Jesus, we don't care. Do you know we don't care that you don't win people to Jesus? We don't care, people. Don't win everybody to Jesus. Just sit and stew in your own juices. We don't care. Just don't win anybody to Jesus. You know what bothers us? You can keep from winning somebody to Jesus. You don't have this thing inside that you said, oh, I can't stand this. That's what bothers us. See, we don't care whether you get into the Bible or not. We don't care. What bothers us is you can keep from getting into the Word. You don't hunger for it. What? There isn't this in your life. So see, this is not about a rule. This is about all a multitude of believers who had one heart and one soul because the heart had been filled with the living person of Jesus. Not the idea, not the doctrine, not the belief system, not the, not the church of. No, the living person of Jesus had filled the heart and out of that came this life experience of the soul spilling all over them and out of that the multitude of believers who had the Christ living within them began to do stuff that was just, oh, why are you doing that? can't help it that's the passage in fact there's a third thing organic see there's the organism which they came together as an organism it orchestrated into all of this activity stuff that affected their materialism and nobody legislated it and what was that all about it was about an organic matter and traveling across the countryside, you've done it too. And he, in our own town, you know, you get out of the grocery store, there's this organic section. What's that all about? Well, it's no pesticides, you know, no chemical fer- fertilizer. It's more expensive, but it's grown naturally. No artificial agencies. It's organic. Wouldn't it be something to have a Christianity that's organic? (laughs) The pesticide of the law structure. Nah, not in my life. The preacher yelling at me, making me feel guilty so I'll shape up. Nah, not in my life. There's no fertilizer. No chemical addition it's just Jesus Jesus indwelt in my heart producing the life that spills out in reality so folks do you have him after him would you get off the theology thing would you get off the methodology stuff would you get off the rule stuff although the coffee might be a good rule but never mind could you get off that stuff you just be an organic filled with Jesus. Wouldn't it be something to have a whole church full of people just whoa, one heart, one soul, multitude of believers, and dwelt by a living Jesus, who literally flowed through their lives producing life. And they just begin to do stuff. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh God, I crucified you. Oh God, I cursed your name. Oh, God, I shook my fist in your face. Oh, God, I belittled you. Jesus, I I mocked you. I belittled you. I treated you cheap. I was more interested in myself and what I wanted than you and your plan and your dream. I crucified you. I even did it, God, in religion. I developed you, Jesus, into the kind of Jesus I wanted. In the name of Jesus. In the name of the real Jesus. In the name, no wonder they said, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. They nailed you down, didn't they? Because this was not just any Jesus. This was not just lots of Jesuses. This was not the Jesus we made up. This is the living, functioning Jesus Christ of Nazareth that we crucified, is raised from the dead, and now wants to come and indwell my life. And for those of us who already have you in our lives, oh, would you go deeper? Would you pull us tighter? Oh, God, would you fill us more? Oh, God, would you push aside all the pesticides? Would you push aside all the chemical stimuli? Would you push aside all the religious stuff that makes us us think we are? And would you just give us yourself? Could we just We're not here about unity. We're not here about we're just we're here about you. Could you be the tuning fork? Tune me up, Jesus. Heads are bowed. tuning fork is here want to come and be tuned would you like to kneel and just just be tuned would you push everything else aside would you go down to the core of your existence And do you find Jesus there? Not the belief system, not the tradition of, not the doctrine concerning Jesus. The real Jesus. Want to open yourself anew and afresh to Him today? Moments of seeking.